episode 213 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be taking our first look at a handful of offseason fades, five players that we are looking to avoid in these current drafts. Obviously, DraftKings, Underdog, Drafters, all launching massive best ball tournaments. But these are the players that we are looking to avoid. We've got two each as well as a group podcast fade. We'll get into that shortly. But before we do, Joey, this story crept up on the timeline over the past week. I wanted to get your take on it. Travis Kelsey apparently being broken up with due to the nature of how he handles money in his former relationship, splitting dates, splitting trips, making his girl pay for everything to the point that she reportedly had had enough. <laughs> yeah, when I saw this, I was like, damn, brah. There's no shot this is real, which it isn't. From her mouth on Twitter, it's not real. She said that it's absolutely false. She quote tweeted one of Barstool Sports tweets about the situation and said it's absolutely false. Um, But who knows? Maybe there is some truth to it. I, I just don't think it randomly comes out or somebody just randomly makes it up if there isn't at least a little bit of truth uh, behind it. The quote that I found really, really funny, even if it's fake, is that, quote, Travis is very cheap. In the beginning, he tried to make Kayla prove that she wasn't with him for the money, so she had to pay for half of everything, half of every date, every trip. Taking it away from the two of them and like making it a little more general, like, yeah, if that is the way that you are handling things within your relationship, you deserve to be left as far as I'm concerned. You know, you cannot be doing that. I feel very strongly about paying for almost everything within reason when it comes to how you handle your significant other. Like, if you are on a date with me, you don't need your wallet. Like, unless we're going somewhere they're going to ID you, like, you're good. You don't even need to pretend. You don't need to go through that, whole, like, oh, let's split the bill. Like, no, babe, I got it. Always. Yeah. I mean, for me, I I, I agree to a certain extent that I, I, I okay. No, you don't. Keep it thorough no. on the podcast. No, Keep that I, same I would... energy you were saying last night when we were talking about no i'm saying it's it all depends on where you are in the relationship early on yes if you start casually dating somebody it's the guy's responsibility to pay as the years go on and you're with somebody i think it's nice when the girl pays right the man shouldn't have to pay for every meal but it also depends bringing it back to kelsey where you are at in life as well you know, you and I, we're just your average Joe Schmo, you know, make however much money, you know, five, six hundred dollars a week, whatever. I mean, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're, you know, you got your little 10K bank, whatever, but we're not we're not making millions of dollars. Right. So if I'm making millions like, yeah, that's crazy. But still, once in a while, like men should be appreciated in the relationship as well it literally all depends where you are at in terms of the length are you married are you not married are you casually seeing them are you in a you know committed relationship that you've been with each other for a couple years and you know you're comfortable taking turns paying for dates or whatnot or paying for dinner but most of the time you know the guy especially if it's an expensive dinner the guy pays that was the case for myself like the expensive dinners i would pay but you're telling me you wouldn't let your girl pay for starbucks or pay for a 15 dollar you know mcdonald's date 
no, you're getting into a real nuanced point because there's a fine line. You're allowed to pay for liquids. Oh, <laughs> so you can so liquids you can, you can pay. Yeah, for. if you want to buy me coffee, you want to buy me a drink at the bar, something like that. You know, like you buy a round of shots. Like I'm not going to fight you over that. Okay. But you are not paying for a dinner. For if we dinners. sit down. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely not splitting. Like, oh, that's no. just a no, no. You're. I agree with that. Like, you're not splitting the bill. I think it's either one or the other are paying. Like. I will never ask them, like, yeah, can you Venmo me $25 so we could uh, split the bill? Like, no. Like, yeah, I mean. That's I, the worst. I think we can agree on that. Of course. And I've spent, you know, many years working in the food service industry. And whenever I see a guy, like, split the bill with a woman, I just, I know that there's a ticking time bomb on the length of that relationship. Yeah. I mean, splitting, <laughs> I can definitely <laughs> see that. <laughs> like, that's just chopped. 100%. Absolutely chopped. But yeah, with dinners or whatever, you know, everybody has their opinion. I, I think if you go out and ask 100 people, it's probably like 55-45 split. But just in terms of just bringing it back and ending the conversation with Kelsey, it's like if I'm in that situation and I'm in that position where I am financially stable and I, I've been with this person for five, six years, like, yeah, she's not paying for anything, right? I, I agree with that. Like, if you got it like that, you're not paying for anything. And if you if you don't got it like that, your goal in life should be to get it like that so that you can act the way that you but it, should. But it's like you can't sit here in front like you didn't split bills with, with your girlfriend, you know? It's like, what's the difference? Like, you're you're not covering everything. The difference, you're you're the, still making her pay bills. Right. The difference is capability. Like, I couldn't realistically afford to pay for exactly. our entire rent. I can realistically afford to pay for every meal that we share together. Like, yeah, we have to split rent and, and, and shit like that. But like, if I can pay for the internet every month and take that off her plate, I'm doing that. If we are going out, I'm paying for that. You know, save, save, save your extra, you know, yeah, spending if, I'm saying money it's, to it's, get it's, your nails done. You know, do whatever you want to do. But It all book, depends if you like, can. If you can do it, I think you should. So you, you, you agree with me. You just aren't in the position to follow through is what yes. is what I'm getting from you. If you had it like that, you would be on my side. Absolutely. Okay. No, I am on your side. I just think that, I mean, we've been talking about this for way too long. <laughs> no, I'm not. Like I said, if you got money, you do what you got to do. And even with people that still have money, they're still going to split and like bills and, and whatnot. They're going to get broken up with, i.e. Travis Kelsey. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, like, the money shit, like, I don't think it matters that much in relationships, and it's not really, you know, the main reason of why you're you're getting broken up with, so. Yeah, a, a wise friend of ours once said, you never get broken up with for buying too many dinners. I love that. I love that line. It's it's truly, uh, truly You get wise. broken up with uh, for other reasons, so. Oh, yeah, and I could I could do a whole podcast on that, but but we don't need to go down that road. Let's, yeah, uh. Yeah, we, th <laughs> this going on way too yeah. long. yeah. All right. Instead of being the breakup boys, we will in instead be the DFS dose boys and, and transition into some fantasy football talk, starting off with some of our early offseason fades. Joey, who is a player that you are fading at cost? Uh, we recently did our first stream, doing streams every Sunday. If you want to check that out, doing a best ball brunch every Sunday at 12 Eastern. Just got done wrapping up our first stream on Underdog, did best ball mania. Maybe you saw some players that you were just egregiously uh, disappointed in their values and you'll have no part of. Who who's a player like that for you? Yeah, so I think my first fade is J.K. Dobbins. I mean, he's 
going as a late fourth round pick as it stands right now. He went at 412 in our most recent draft. And make sure you know you are subscribed to our YouTube channel at the DFS Doe so you don't miss a draft. But I just think that J.K. Dobbins is a running back that is not going to catch passes. He is competing with, at minimum, two other very capable rushers of the football in Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards for touches. So it's like, realistically, what is his touch projection for 2022? And he's coming off of a torn ACL, and so is Gus Edwards as well. And, you know, they went out and signed Mike Davis as what I think is a a capable RB3. So just in terms of potential opportunity, low pass catching upside, and a high cost, in my opinion, as a a fourth round pick in best ball. And we all know that from rounds three to six is the running back dead zone where, you know, you're really sacrificing a lot of value and potential points by taking these running backs over the wide receivers in that range. I I think it just makes for an easy fade. Once again, I faded JK Dobbins last year. It worked out obviously because he got hurt, uh, but I am once again fading JK Dobbins. I, I just don't really see the upside uh, with with a player in a uh, three or four away committee on the Ravens. So yeah, um, I agree, and I think that even despite being in a committee, he should be the clear cut lead. I think I know he hasn't really shown a ton, and a lot of that is injury related. The talent we all think and assume is there, and there should be a decent amount of volume. Like this is still going to be one of the most run heavy teams in the league, but ADP wise, going at what pick fifty four on on underdog as a top twenty four running back, the cost is just way too exorbitant. And and he's again one of those players where I think if Gus Edwards gets hurt, right? I don't think his role is expanding into some guy who's going to get 20 to 25 touches. It's just going to be another player, you know, absorbing the Gus Edwards role, not JK Dobbins absorbing an expanded role. Like I would rather take guys who are going 40 to 50 picks later in Kareem Hunt, Devin Singletary, Chase Edmonds, like guys who are going to have 10 plus touches, but they're going to mix in some reception volume and it's just not as crowded of a situation. So he his ADP makes absolutely no sense to me. I'm right there with you. I don't think I've drafted any J.K. Dobbins, maybe one or two, maybe an auto draft here and there. But like J.K. Dobbins is a player that I'll have minimal exposure to. I'm certainly going to be underweight the field when it's all said and done. And I've got my 2022 best ball portfolio fully squared away. Yeah, I, I think J.K. Dobbins is an easy fade, and his ADP has dropped over the last week by four spots. He went from pick 50 to pick 54 now, currently on Underdog Fantasy, and he is the RB20. Now, do I think he can finish as a top 20 running back? Absolutely. I just don't think he's going to have. A lot of spike weeks, especially since he's not going to be catching passes. And a lot of his points, in my opinion, are going to have to come from scoring touchdowns. And you know you have Mark Andrews there, who is a great touchdown scorer. You have Lamar, you have Gus Edwards, Mike Davis there. Just a lot of competition for J.K. Dobbins. And honestly, I'm just all good. I'm, I'm set on drafting J.K. Dobbins or pretty much any running back in that range, to be honest, in, in the fourth and fifth round. I just think that... The wide receivers are so much better picks, which I think ultimately plays a role in fading J.K. Dobbins as well. All right, we're on the same page with J.K. Dobbins. I think there might be a little bit of disagreement here on the first player that I'm taking a stand against, and that is Michael Thomas. And what it comes down to for me, it's twofold. One, 
the most recent report on Michael Thomas was not good. It's that he's still not ready. And I mean, God, it's just been so long since we've seen Michael Thomas. He missed all of last season. He missed half of 2020. The glory days, in my opinion, are just over. Not even getting into the way that he feels about the team and the way the team feels about him. Just from a volume perspective, Michael Thomas needs elite volume, I think, to sustain. He's not going to be a guy who is catching, you know, 15 plus touchdowns. He's not going to be a guy who is putting up you know, monster yardage games. He's a guy who needs to feast off of volume and they traded up for Olave. They brought in Jarvis Landry. Say what you want about Jarvis Landry, but everywhere he goes, he commands targets. You know, the thought these days is that commanding targets in itself is a skill. And I think Jarvis Landry has that skill. Michael Thomas is never going to see another season in his life where he gets 185 targets like he did in 2019 when he was shredding the league and was the fantasy football wide receiver one. Those days are over. I I just don't see it. I think that he is just one of three good wide receivers in that offense. Is he the wide receiver one? Maybe. I just can't trust a guy at age 29 who's barely played over the last two seasons coming into the most crowded situation that he's ever been in with no standing, you know, chemistry with the current quarterback. I, I don't know. I don't I don't like Michael Thomas, current ADP 64, wide receiver 31. I'm not buying at that price. Yeah, I don't I don't mind Michael Thomas personally. I don't think he's like an absolute fade or an absolute buy by any means. You know, he he is a wide receiver 3 at this point in in fantasy and He's going around players like Darnell Mooney, Elijah Moore, Drake London, and Amon Ross St. Brown. And I think if healthy and he, if he plays the full season, like he's outscoring all of those guys. Even with the added target competition, just because Michael Thomas is, in my opinion, still one of the best wide receivers in the league. And he does command targets as well at an extremely high rate. You know, you mentioned it with Jarvis Landry. I think Michael Thomas is a better target commander. As long as he's out there, he's going to see volume. Yeah, it might not result in 185 targets, but we've seen Jameis give multiple pass catchers top five top six seasons in the same year you know and and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry aren't as good as Chris Godwin and Mike Evans right so I think that at his current cost I don't mind him I'm not gonna be like too overweight the field just because this dude's a straight diva really just can't predict if he's gonna play I think he is and who knows maybe he doesn't even play for New Orleans maybe they you know surprisingly trade him or something because that could that could be part of it but there there is a lot of unpredictability but I think the upside with with Michael Thomas is just so high because he is a very talented wide receiver and he does command targets and he does score touchdowns uh, when he's out there. And you know if he could, if he can have a great season with a withered Drew Brees, I think getting Jameis Winston as his starter is an upgrade. So it is. I mean, you know, you and I have talked about this, and our belief is that the Saints are going to lean more pass heavy. I feel like that's what their moves this offseason have indicated, but we don't know that. We don't know what kind of offense this is going to be under a new head coach and Dennis Allen. It's the first time Sean Payton hasn't been there in God knows how many years. I just I just don't know if, if they're going to be slinging it the way that you know, Jameis Winston was under Bruce Arians, who like that's that's what he does. So like I just don't know. It's an assumption. 
And it's just a wild assumption for me to like think that Michael Thomas comes back after a year and a half of not playing, of not practicing, and just is like ready to go as this locked in wide receiver one for an NFL team. And I don't know if the Saints think that either. Like they obviously gave up a lot of capital to go get Olave. It remains to be seen to me how this is going to shake up. But just from a value perspective, Chris Olave going 32 picks later in ADP says all that you know, I need to hear in terms of which Saints wide receiver I'm buying at cost. Yeah, I agree. And I I definitely like Chris Olave this year for sure. All right. Give me your second fade at this point in the offseason. Yeah. So right now, I think that DK Metcalf is one of the easier fades at the wide receiver position. You know, in the draft we just did, he went at the beginning of round five and his current ADP is 43 and a half. He's going as the wide receiver 19. So a pretty low cost for a player of DK Metcalf's caliber. The reason that I'm not too high on Metcalf is just the situation that he's in. I think that Seattle is going to be one of the worst teams in the NFC under Drew Locke slash Geno Smith. I think if they were going to trade for a guy like Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo, they would have done it already. Maybe they do it over the summer. Obviously, we still have a lot of months left in the offseason, but right now the, the quarterback situation is just so bad. I don't think Geno Smith or Drew Locke has the capability of support multiple pass catchers in Tyler Lockett and in DK Metcalf. I think that the floor can be just extremely low with DK with just the type of player he is. I think we saw that in the last half of last year where he had, what, five games with 10 or less points in in full PPR. And if if we turn that to, to half PPR, it's even less, right? In terms of underdog, like, he he was he was a he was a loser. Like if you, if you had DK Metcalf on your team, you you probably didn't advance as a top three round pick. Um, and that was with Russell Wilson, right? So now you get a complete quarterback downgrade to you know a bottom three situation in the league for a player that already had a lower floor than some people might think but an extremely high ceiling. I don't know. I, I, th- I think he's a fade this year, to be honest. And I and I just prefer other players around him. Um, I prefer. Hollywood Brown. I prefer Amari Cooper. I prefer Jalen Waddle and Mike Williams in, in that, you know, third, fourth round range. So I think that just plays a part in it is I prefer other wide receivers to DK and his situation is just the worst out of all of these guys, in my opinion. Yeah. So how I feel about it is is that last point you made about the receivers in the range is the one that I can get behind the most. Like the fact that he's going ahead of guys like Cooper and McLaurin and both Broncos receivers and Allen Robinson. Robinson. It's like because of that, I, I feel like DK Metcalf is going too high. But if he drops like, you know, five or six wide receiver spots, I would be right back in on him. I know the situation yeah. is bad, but I feel relatively strongly that the Seattle Seahawks are not going to be going into the season with Drew Locke or Geno Smith as their week one starter. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is out there. I think Baker Mayfield is out there. And while still it would be a downgrade from Russell Wilson regardless, I think that there is a situation where the Seattle Seahawks have a capable quarterback throwing the ball. I think. I mean, that is the, it, uh, just my, my question is like, do you think Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield are competent quarterbacks? Because I don't. <laughs> so it's like... I think Baker Mayfield's competent enough. They're going to get a little upgrade, right? They're going to get a little upgrade off Locke and, and Geno, but it's like I think, it's I think not that, anything crazy. I think both of them would be a pretty significant 
upgrade over either of those guys. I mean, I think they're middle of the road quarterbacks opposed to bottom tier worst starter in the league quarterbacks. And <laughs> the other thing is like DK Metcalf is just a monster. Like I will never have the image out of my brain of him hawking down Buda Baker down that entire sideline to catch him for that interception. Like this man is an absolute machine. He is not human. Tyler Lockett is turning 30 years old in the first month of the season. DK Metcalf at the ripe age of 24. Like this is the time where, you know, he separates, you know, it's no longer going to be a 1A, 1B. I think Metcalf is ready to take that leap and become a true alpha wide receiver on his own team and in the league and I don't know it just it's situationally not a good spot and I like the guys behind him so I agree yeah. with you to a certain extent I'm not high on DK Metcalf but I think strictly off of talent and if the situation changes over the coming months which seems likely to me that he could find a way to pay off value I I would still disagree just because, you know, I'm not a big believer in Baker or Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's like, will the 49ers even trade Jimmy Garoppolo in the division? Uh, who knows? I, I would assume no, but anything could happen. And just is the volume going to be there? And, you know, Tyler Lockett, yeah, he's 30 years old, but this dude Tyler Lockett still produces. He's still there. He's still going to command targets. And I just don't think that DK Metcalf is is going to see a ton of volume especially with the run first mentality of Pete Carroll and then obviously you have a terrible quarterback situation but I do think that he couldn't he can score touchdowns obviously big play threat uh, red zone threat he scored 12 touchdowns last year but in, in half PPR, right, he only put up two games with 20-plus, and that was with Russell Wilson. So it's like, how many spike weeks can you actually expect with Geno Smith or Baker Mayfield or Drew Locker? Whoever's throwing them the ball, it's not going to be a good option, right? You know, he only had one game with over 100 yards last year just because of the types of routes he runs. He either runs like a curl or a go, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't I don't know. Um, I, I think that just... The other players in that range are better picks. All of the wide receivers in that range are attached to better quarterbacks and are in better situations. Obviously, DK Metcalf is an athletic specimen, but, you know, ju- just that meme. Hunter Renfro outproduced DK Metcalf in fantasy last year. It doesn't matter if you're an athletic specimen. What, what matters is who's throwing you the ball and your team environment and your opportunity. And DK Metcalf just has, honestly, the, the worst of all three of those categories uh, out of the wide receivers in this range. So don't you think it's going to be impossible for them to both be like a God awful team and be super run heavy in every script? Like if they're down because they're terrible, like they're going to have to abandon the run at some yeah. point. I mean, you would, you would assume, you know, but assumption to rational coaching can't really do that uh, with Pete Carroll. Right. That's fair. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think DK Metcalf is actually a pretty easy fade at his current cost. All right, let's uh, let's keep it moving here. We've done two receivers back to back, and I'm going to go ahead and, and make it number three here with Amon Ross St. Brown as a player to me that I just can't draft at cost. That being said, his cost has been dropping. He's definitely going lower than he was a month ago, but he's still going too high. Going as the wide receiver 34 on underdog ADP of 71.4. I know, okay? He he absolutely snapped last year. And there's always a player that goes nuclear at the end of the year. And, you know, he wins people fantasy championships and they remember that. 
and then they overdraft him next year. And I think Amon Ross St. Brown is that player this year. Just from an overall team perspective, there are too many mouths to feed. Look at all the guys they brought in. Like if they were happy and content and convinced that Amon Ross St. Brown could come back and continue to play the way he did down the stretch where he closed out, you know, 23 and a half, 26, 34.4, 26, like an insane run down the stretch as a legit fantasy wide receiver one, then the Lions wouldn't have gone out and added Jamison Williams in the first round. They wouldn't have added DJ Chark in the offseason. TJ Hawkinson, already there. DeAndre Swift, already there. Commanding targets. I just don't see any way whatsoever that he's going to be able to maintain the target share he had down the stretch. I mean, week 13 on, 11 plus targets in every single game. That's just not going to happen. I don't think the touchdown upside is there. You know, I, I just can't justify taking what I believe to just be like strictly a slot volume receiver whose volume is going to be going down on an objectively bad offense in the mid rounds. Yeah, I agree for sure. And I haven't, you know, done many drafts, but in the drafts that I've done, I haven't been taking Amon Ra uh, just because in the, in those drafts, he was going in like the, the fifth round and sixth round on some of the other sites, which is right. just way too expensive. But in, in the seventh and if he you know, starts to drop to the eighth round, I think he's a fine pick. Obviously, the volume is a concern. And just the main thing for me is he hit the nuts last year right in, in terms Stone of nuts. situation like that's not going to happen again with Swift and Hawkinson getting hurt and him just literally only being the the reliable guy there but I do think he can be you know the the Cooper Cup for Jared Goff right Jared Goff gave Cooper Cup a, cu- a couple good seasons when he was the starter for the Rams and I definitely think Amon Ra can uh, play that slot role and and be that check down option and that guy that Jared Goff looks towards and I think he's definitely the the best fantasy asset on that offense outside of DeAndre Swift so I I don't hate him seventh round kind of pricey but I think you take a couple shares here and there and you know you you don't go too crazy just because it's like Chark and Jamison Williams I I feel like they're they're like the same role and there's there's really nobody there to to take Amon Ra's role in the in the passing offense so you can't expect him to do what he did at the end of last year like that's just an unrealistic expectation but I, I think he could definitely be like a solid 14 15 point per game player in full PPR and half PPR it's probably less yeah I I, I don't mind him but I, I could see why you're fading him though yeah and, and also I mean I don't know like I just think that I mean I was big on Jamison Williams coming into the draft he seems to be ahead of schedule in terms of his recovery from injury like the speculation is that he's going to be ready for some part of training camp and he should be good to go for week one DJ Chark is like such an underrated asset in my opinion like I I don't know at what point we all soured on DJ Chark, but I like DJ Chark and I I don't know, man. I think Swift and Hawkinson are certainly viable to take a lot of those underneath low A dot targets away from a Monroe St. Brown. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. Give me Drake London. Uh, give me Traylon Burks over him as guys who could legitimately lead their team in targets. I don't think Amon Ross St. Brown is leading the team in targets. I don't think that any player on the Lions is going to significantly lead in targets. I think it's going to get spread yeah. around quite a bit. So for that reason, I'm out on Amon Ra this season. I'm sorry to all the Amon Ra truthers, but at least you know if you're in a draft with me, you'll have a good shot at him because I won't be taking mm-hmm. him. Let's close it out with the player that we both, you know, we sat down, we looked at the draft boards. And we came to a conclusion that this player is not to be drafted in the third round where he's currently going, Joey. And that is a player that last year was your boy. And I'm surprised that you agree on this. But Kyle Pitts is a player that we cannot draft at his current ADP. Tell the people why 
we are off <laughs> Kyle Pitts. Yeah, pains me to to talk about it and, and say it because that was your. I love I boy. love Kyle Pitts, love Kyle Pitts, but also it's like pre-draft last year and early in the offseason, you know, he he was a 7th, 8th round pick. Just the the ADP did not match the player with Kyle Pitts. And, and now he's above Darren Waller and George Kittle in ADP by 10 and 16 picks. I just don't think Kyle Pitts is justified to be that high above Darren Waller and Kittle. And yeah, with Waller, it's like Adams is there. Obviously, that hurts his upside as now he's not the number one option in the offense. But if you look at it from just the optimistic viewpoint, it's taking away coverage from Waller and putting it onto Adams. And it could open up the field a little bit more for Waller and Renfro to eat. And there's there's still plenty of opportunity available in that offense for those guys to produce. Uh, and then Kittle, it's like nothing changed with Kittle from last year to this year. Still the same team, same coach, same quarterback, same situation. They didn't add anybody. They not, might Not, they, not the same quarterback. I said same quarterbacks. Okay. Same quarterbacks, same situation, same everything, and now he's like three rounds cheaper. That doesn't make any sense to me. No, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, Kittle, if we were talking about buys, Kittle's probably on that list. Yeah, so I think that's just a reason why I'm kind of off Kyle Pitts is because you can get those two guys later at a better value. And then it's also team environment, right? Like, I think this is the worst quarterback situation in the NFL with Marcus Mariota slated to start, you know, albeit you can make the parallels and the connections with Arthur Smith and when he was on the Titans and they had Delaney Walker, uh, who was a pretty solid tight end and, and did have some big games with Mariota. So you, you could say that and whatever in that it's a positive for Kyle Pitts but I still think this is the worst quarterback situation in the league one of the worst teams in the league they're probably going to be contending for the 101 in the 2023 draft I think that opportunity shouldn't be an issue which is why it's like I don't want to full fade Pitts but I just think there's better value with Waller and Kittle and I just think that the touchdown upside on this team specifically is extremely low and I just think that his cost is a little bit too high for a player in one of the worst situations in the NFL it's kind of like what I've started to do is focus on drafting good players in good situations instead of drafting good players in bad situations yeah that's definitely something I've noticed you talk about let me preface what I'm saying by saying that first I agree with you but I'll give the the you know devil's advocate case on Kyle Pitts you know he came in as a rookie tight end which we know is like one of the hardest positions to come in and instantly produce that and objectively had a successful season I mean this is a rookie tight end that had 68 catches over a thousand yards and only one touchdown so you know yeah he's the, gonna the, score more touchdowns. right the, the bull case for him is that you know touchdown regression is going to favor him this year he's not gonna have another season where he has 110 targets and finishes with one touchdown that's just not realistic that being said I don't think you can make the case that this offense is getting better like you said terrible quarterback situation Matt Ryan threw 20 passing touchdowns last year and I could easily see the combination of Desmond Ritter and Marcus Mariota throwing for less than 20 
passing touchdowns. So like, I don't know how many touchdowns are going to actually flow towards Kyle Pitts in this season. I, I don't think it's going to be that many. They obviously added Drake London, which is... And Brian Edwards. Right. And, and you know, those guys are going to be more target competition than what the Falcons had last year post-Calvin Ridley. So it, it just seems like the situation is, is so bad. And what it really comes down to for me is that the tight ends going after are just in way better situations. Like, I like Waller and Kittle more, but even beyond that, like... Dalton Schultz is going 44, 45 picks later. Hawkinson even later. Goddard, Knox. Like, I I think Pitts could be anywhere in that range. And the fact that his price is so high on such a bad team with such low scoring expectations for the entire season, I just can't justify it. Especially in the third round where you're actually, you know, sacrificing the potential to get really strong receivers, Mike Williams, yeah. Pittman, Waddle, DJ Moore, Marquis Brown. Like, I just can't justify taking a tight end over those guys in such a bad situation. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of been the the theme of this podcast and our fades is that the the players themselves are good, but there's just equally as good of players available attached to better quarterbacks in better situations with more opportunity available. Kyle Pitts, like I said, he he does have opportunity, but he had what two games with fifteen plus points last year, and like you mentioned, eleven games with ten or fewer full PPR yeah. points. That's that's not great for a third round pick. Obviously, that's last year. Whatever doesn't really matter going into this season. Uh, and like we both agree, he's probably going to score more touchdowns. So he's probably going to score more points. But I think your point about like tight ends that are available later, I think you can get very similar production out of like Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz finished as a tight end three last year and they lost to Mari Cooper and Michael Gallup is not going to be ready for week one. Dalton Schultz is what the tight end six right now, but he's being drafted in the 75s. Yeah. And then you have your Dallas Goddards, your TJ Hawkinsons and, and whatnot. And I, I think that while those guys obviously aren't as talented as Kyle Pitts and, and we're not as bullish on them just as players, I think they're in better situations. They have opportunity available and they're way, way cheaper. And I think all of the data also points to, you know, waiting on tight end and, and grabbing three of these guys. Maybe you start with a Dallas Goddard as your tight end one and then you grab two more is the way to go rather than uh, sacrificing value at the top of the draft drafting like a Kyle Pitts in the third round like you said you can get a Mike Williams or an Amari Cooper or, or whomever right in, in that in that spot so just doesn't make too much sense from a roster construction standpoint to draft Kyle Pitts in the third round yeah and I think we can close it there but like yeah I mean just the opportunity cost of Pitts over one of those receivers versus the opportunity cost of Dalton Schultz versus like Devontae Smith or Amon yeah. St. Brown or Hunter Renfro it's just it's so uncomparable i think so yeah pretty pretty easy um kyle pitts will be a fade i think that's a bold take i think a lot of people are on him but a lot of people said we were wrong for uh fading travis kelsey last year and guess what we weren't you know if there's one thing that we know how to navigate it's the tight end position and what you do absolute fact is you stone punt and you always win so i think that that's what we're going to be doing this (laughs) year and yeah you know I, i think that that about covers it for episode 213 of the DFS Dose podcast. Good episode, man. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Harvard. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. We'll be back on Wednesday with the opposite of this show. We're going to talk about some players we're buying at this point in the offseason. You can check that out. New podcast episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday if you guys want to connect with us. 
and stay up to date with what's going on in the podcast and join the inner circle. The link to join our free Discord channel is in the show notes to the podcast. To everybody out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Bye.